This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. We are all desperate for some sports. We just want to watch some sports, Carol. I know. Darn it. Darn it. All right. Well, we have someone who's got the answer, Paul Rabel. He's the co-founder of Course, Chief Strategy Officer of the Premier Lacrosse League. Joining us on the phone from L.A., a big day for you, PR, because... You're getting back to playing uh, in not too long in a different way. Tell us what you announced. Great to talk to you, by the way. Yeah, it's great to talk to both of you. Thanks for having me again. We, uh, we're, we're excited. You know, it's an interesting thing because you know, we're, we're all sitting here on May 6th, and it's challenging, and there are still very difficult times that, uh, and a long road ahead of us. Uh, but as we look at our businesses collectively, whether you're in the media business, auto, retail, in our case, sports, you try to figure out a way to get your, your skilled workforce back in, in a very medically safe way. And when it comes to sports and the sports industry, there is uh, such a macro impact for networks, for media companies, for advertising and for brands and, and just a number of sectors that benefit from the game getting back on, and, and in our case, being able to provide an opportunity for our players to play. Um, we went down, started going down this path as soon as eight weeks ago when the World Health Org had identified and officially declared this a global pandemic with COVID-19. And the more we uncovered with our colleagues uh, across commissioners and other sports leagues and ownership groups, and then getting access to CDC, WHO, as well as the White House Sports Committee Task Force, it became a foregone conclusion that fans wouldn't be at games for the foreseeable future. And then it became about how can, if we do play, play in a safe environment where players aren't at risk. And for us, we started going down the path of building a fully quarantined scenario. And uh, we're able to do that partly because of the nascent stage that we're in and that we only have seven teams. We started last year with six. We expanded in our first off season. And, uh, and the reason that matters is if you look at a fully quarantined model, there are only a handful of locations out there right. that can take on every player in the league across all the teams, key personnel, medical, as well as ops, production, and so on. And in our case, like really stringent medical protocol, everyone arrives to a location they check in, we go through the right testing, it's approved, and then we're playing, and no one's leaving until it's done, and no one's coming in until it's done. And, uh, and that's what we vetted out. We ended up partnering with NBC and, and finding a time that uh, you know, provided itself as, as attractive to us, and that was the Olympic window that was previously scheduled and postponed in 2021, so end of August into, or end of July and early August. And uh, just made that announcement today. We think that it'll be a model for other team sports so long as they can figure out their total quantity of participants. Yeah, and how does that impact things, right, in terms of how yeah. many players you can bring in, how many play, you know, safely? Yeah, so it, it, it definitely changes the model a bit because traditionally you would have a full regular season and your playoffs and championship and you have time in between games. So this is going to look more like a World Cup or a March Madness, where it's a lot of games in a condensed period. So we've, we've expanded our player rosters. So we were originally addressing 18 players, now it's 22. So you got to take into account more play and, and potential injury and fatigue and so on. Um, and, then, and then you look at the format itself. So we're going to play 20 games in 16 days. 
it's a three week total quarantine. So uh, we can talk a little bit about the medical protocol, but essentially there's a mini camp that leads into it. And then we, uh, and then we start playing And the first week, like the world cup is group play for seeding. And then the second week is a single elimination tournament for a champion. And so what does this do? And we're going to talk a little bit about this on the other side uh, because we got to get to some news and things like that, Paul Rabel. But briefly, in, in 30 seconds, sponsors are, are going to be happy with this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, if you look at our industry in sports, you're conceding tickets, concessions, parking, merchandise on site, local sponsorships. So if you're making a run at this, you got to look at the viewership play, so your distribution, and then sponsors. And if you figure out viewership, you can recoup your commitment from your 2020 sponsors and potentially get more. And so that's how we're looking at this is, yeah. is a viewership distribution and sponsorship move. Paul, something I have to ask about your plans here to do um, this two-week tournament. When you said that you're going to be playing, like some, I think you said 20 games in 16 days, and you talked about very stringent medical protocols, are you saying that the teams that are going to be playing are all going to be in lockdown as well? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that that's yeah that's the key difference between what we're seeing the NBA and and Major League Baseball even explore is getting everyone to a geography and then maintaining some level of uh, hygiene between where the players stay in the facilities. What we're saying is we think it actually needs to be more defined and safe than that. Yeah. So everyone will will be on the same campus in different dormitories. And then we'll have practice facilities and abilities for teams to function independent of each other as they prepare for games and independent locker rooms and film study rooms. But then there's a game field. And so everyone, it's going to be like a mini Olympic village. And, yeah. and that includes our production team and NBC's talent. They're going to be there during the full quarantine as well. So how do you, how do you scale this up? And I do think about the Olympics, yeah. right? They're trying to figure that out, you know, and whether or not they can really go ahead. And I guess it does depend largely on a vaccine. But I do wonder, how do you think about And the conversations that you said, you know, you're all, you know, accessing the CDC and WHO Sports Task Force. What are the conversations about how you scale this up? Yeah, so the, the biggest piece of, to even be able to get there is is knowing that there are no positive tests. So before everyone from players to our participants and broadcast members arrive, we have three phases. There's going to be an at-home phase of testing uh, where the results will be in, and there's going to be a quarantine phase during that at-home moment. Then when people commute to the site, we'll all uh, arrive during the same time period and go through the same COVID testing again to identify any discrepancy. And then there will be another short quarantine period, and there will be a, a final test during uh, in between the group play and the single elimination. So that's been recommended by our committee that we put together that includes uh, external infectious disease specialists and internal medicine doctors. Um, and then as far as the value in communicating with the White House and the CDC uh, and the WHO is that they've given us evidence that indicates that we will not be purchasing tests away from other uh, states or uh, you call it uh, patrons in need based on symptoms. Mm -hmm. So we're making this announcement here on May 6th. What a lot of leagues are trying to figure out is if they can come up with a model that works, how do you get access to testing and that testing being preventative? Right. Because right now we're still in a very shortage of testing. 
So what we have been told and advised on from the groups that I had mentioned is by the middle of this month, you're going to see more states like California give point-of-care access testing. Um, and then by the 1st of June, that should be deployed close to nationwide. Right. Um, so we're, our tournament's the end of July, and that's a critical piece. Otherwise, we wouldn't have pushed play on this just because we don't, uh, despite all of the benefits you can get from finding a safe environment and playing games and distributing those games, we do not want to interfere with the pu- public testing protocol. Right. So, Paul, I have to ask you, you know, and the last time you were with us was right around the time that the Olympics were postponed a year. Uh, Now here we are, May 6th, as you say, you've got a plan going forward. Other pro leagues, we're still sort of waiting on hearing. What's your prediction for for 2020? You have figured out a a solution as you and you talk to a lot of other commissioners and, as you say, uh, owners of teams and owners of leagues. What's your prediction for the rest of 2020 here? Yeah, so that's a great question. There, there are a number of variables, I'll, I'll say that. So we're all in conversation and we've all been comparing notes. So I think everyone agrees that uh, for leagues that want to play this summer, the quarantine model is ideal. Mm-hmm. The challenge for larger leagues like the NBA and Major League Baseball is they have 30-plus teams. Right. And so the risk that both of them are going to have to take is kind of the legacy impact on – the annual champions and end of year awards. Cause there's like real tradition there. They, from my perspective would need to make a jump to advance from regular season to playoffs and potentially do a shortened version of playoffs. Cause those playoff format are still 18 teams. So they're, they're in a tricky place because they have too many players per team. Um, the NFL is, is in an interesting place. I, I heard you guys talk about it in, in between the segment and they've explored, Fanless models, they're exploring a delayed start. Um, but but the, the, at the net of it, there are two big factors that we're going to find out, and this comes down to fans and consumer confidence. Because the Miami Dolphins, you said, they laid out a schedule. But, you know, what we look at is history of SARS and consumer confidence back to, back to retail. And if you look at uh, COVID, well, what are the parallels? Well, first, there's going to be a drug or treatment that's introduced and needs to get FDA approved and provided at scale. We don't know when that's going to come, but that will come before vaccination. We know a vaccination, in a best case, isn't going to be here till 2021. I don't believe that uh, leagues, unless you're the NFL that, prevent, that presents a really strong, uh, you know, I, I, I think like a, a strong um, indication for a lot of fans who just sometimes will go because they're that passionate about it. I don't see a world where a consumer is going to spend on a ticket and, and opt in to potential exposure to a virus when there isn't a vaccine, and especially when there isn't a drug or treatment for it right now. So until we get to that place, I see a world where sports are going to have to figure out how to play without fans and then focus on how you can create an environment where it's safe for your players so they can feel comfortable. And that's the last thing I'll say is Major League Baseball has got together as a union, and they've come back and said, hey, even if MLB comes with a quarantine model, we feel uncomfortable leaving our families for three months. Right. Right. So there's like an assortment of variables. Yeah. Right. So I have to ask you, uh, and only about a, a minute left here, how are you dealing with this as an athlete? You know, I sort of jokingly said, you're a Peloton guy. I mean, you're going to yeah. play in this tournament. How has that mm. been? Well, I've been riding my Peloton. I'm sick of my Peloton. Um, but the good, <laughs> Sorry, John Foley. <laughs> the, good news, the, the good news for Peloton is I don't carry enough clout for that to impact the stock, which is about 10% today. Um, but I have, uh, I have, I have been uh, FaceTiming with my strength and conditioning coach 
and uh, I'll set up a yoga mat and I have a kettlebell and we'll go through a lot of mobility work. And I think it, it, it's par for the course for me, interestingly enough, Jason and Carol, because this time last year I was building the PLL and yeah. you know working out in my hotel room. So if anything, it's a neutralizer for me versus my competitors in this quarantine tournament. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, what you were first you, year, man. You're used oh. to uh, you're used to balancing all of this, so you may actually come out stronger from all this because you haven't oh, yeah. you haven't been on the road. I love it. All right, Paul little Rabel. Do they, little do my competitors know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well unfortunately, you just told a national audience, but you know this. Your secret's safe with us. Yes. Yes. All right, Stay Paul Rabel. Good to catch up with you. Good luck with all of this. Uh, can't wait to talk to you when this Back. is underway.